Hello, everyone, and welcome back to a Bastards Hot Stove edition of the podcast. We are going to be talking about the Red Sox GM search. Uh, A lot of bombs were dropped today in terms of who's in, who's out. Uh, So we're going to be talking about that. Kim Ang uh, was also, um, it was reported that she has opted out of her mutual option with the Marlins today. And that's a name that gets kicked around on social media quite a bit, uh, you know, in terms of someone the Red Sox might target. So Cody Paulson with me tonight. I am Terry Cushman. Cody, how are you? Terry, I'm doing well. Happy to be back on the uh, the waves with you here. Um, interesting to be talking hot stove stuff again. This is where I kind of cut my teeth with the with the podcast initially about a year back. So, you know, just happy to be to be talking socks, right? Especially in the off season, it's always a fun time. Uh, the Twitter feed, the X feed, if you will, felt alive again like it did last off season, right? Who's going where? What news was developing? Who's talking to who? You know, I know that we're quickly approaching those GM meetings and, you know, some of us are focusing on offseason uh, restructuring while others are playing baseball. But, you know, anytime we're talking shop, it's always a good time. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing all right. Got a little bit of rust. It's been uh, 11 days, according to one of our followers who was scolding us for not having recorded a show. And I'm being a little bit facetious with the scolding. Um I was getting my butt kicked uh, in a string of cribbage tournaments in Virginia Beach. And since I have no cool stories about that this time, I won the National Open in July, not not so much here, um, that I, I said my excuse for not, not being on the podcast was that I was in jail. And uh, those tournaments kind of felt like jail, you know, when you're losing that much. Uh, so I literally tweeted that uh, I was in jail and um, the haters took it and ran with it and uh, they believe it. And I didn't really feel a need to correct them and say, ha ha, just kidding. And uh, so I'm sure uh, they'll they'll uh, get the news that they were catfished and perhaps delete some tweets. I don't know. Uh, but let's uh, go ahead and get into this uh, this GM search. Now, before we get into it, it's getting kind of late. The GM meetings uh, take place uh, on November 7th through 9th. So the day of this recording is October 16th. You got about three weeks to get a guy hired and sent to Scottsdale, Arizona, where those meetings are going to be. We got six names to consider uh, going forward at the moment, or six that we know about. Uh, but before we get to them, three names that have opted out. One was Derek Falvey. He is the current Minnesota Twins uh, general manager or the top executive, whatever his title is. He is out, even though I never saw a report linking him to us. Uh, Sam Fold was a popular name. Uh, he is with the Philadelphia Phillies. He's basically the right-hand man to Dave Dombrowski. He has chosen uh, not to take part in this process. And then, very sadly, uh, Brandon Gomes, who all six of us unanimously wanted to be the next Red Sox GM, also opts out. 
And it's impressive. When I polled you guys on who you wanted, I thought we're going to have at least a few different names on there. All six of us. Probably the only time in the history of the Bastards podcast you got six hosts to agree on something. And uh, Brandon Gomes says no, thank you. And just so for the casuals out there, um, he is basically the number two guy in the Dodgers uh, organization under Andrew Friedman. So that's certainly an organization you would turn to, um, you know, if you're if you're looking for someone who might, you know, help us with uh, at least pitching. So what are your thoughts on those three opting out, Cody? I mean, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm not terribly surprised at this point. Uh, perhaps, you know, we put the the bastards jinx on it. Seemingly, whenever we were aligned on series predictions, it always swung in the other direction. So all six of us, all six of us excuse me, going domes, uh, maybe was the nail in the proverbial coffin. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Red Sox job is not advantageous at this point, right? You can look at it from an X's and O's standpoint, uh, you know, a good farm system, no long-term contracts. Bloom did his quote-unquote job. And, you know, the, the story's still out on what those marching orders were. But this front office is in, um, you know, a bit of purgatory, right? Uh, ownership is a mess. I think we have as Red Sox Nation, a bigger bone to pick with them than we do with the ball club, with the manager, with the front office, with the coaches. Yes, the product on the field has not been acceptable or up to the Red Sox standards, um, but we are no longer the Red Sox of old, right? We are no longer the team that goes out there and throws around the Brinks truck, backs up the money bag, and um, you know, kind of goes and gets whoever they want at whatever price. And ownership, I think, is to blame for that. Um, you know, they have uh, seemingly for the last couple of GMs given marching orders, those GMs have carried out those orders and then they've been fired and then publicly booed and shamed on their way out of town. And I don't think that's a good way to do business. And so, you know, if you have a lot of attractive candidates um, that are looking to either uh, move up in, in an organization or, you know, hop over to another organization to take on a more prominent role, I don't think the Red Sox are, are no longer um, the ones to come calling in and kind of get whoever they want. And, Ownership really needs to own that, uh, for lack of better terms. You know, they need to take accountability. They need to start doing more media hits and start doing more interviews and start answering for some of the the actions that they've had in the past. It is altogether unsurprising. Um, and I think we are left with a list of names that are, again, altogether not that exciting as well. You know, I think we can find some some good merits out of the individuals that are tied to the position at this moment in time. But I don't think we're going to get the excitement that we had when we signed Bloom or, you know, when we brought in Dombrowski, knowing that we were a couple of moves away from a World Series. I don't think we're going to get those big splashes like we are accustomed to in the past. And and that's uh, a reality that I think we have to deal with. All right. So let's get into some names right now. Uh, I, I'm going to flip it from what we planned uh, pre-show. We do know that Eddie Romero has gotten an interview. He is one of four assistant general managers currently with the Red Sox. He's been with the Red Sox since 2006. And basically what he does in his current role is he handles the international signings. Uh, so some of those players that would have fallen under that, Xander Bogarts, Rafi Devers, um, Brian Bayo, these guys are all international signings. So, um, a good record of success there, but, uh, I'm not thrilled with it, but I'll, I'll have you go first. Um, 
Yeah, and I'm not thrilled with the prospects of him getting hired, I guess, just to be clear. But go ahead. I think you teed it up very well, right? Uh, you know, he's a guy that's getting an interview for large part probably by process of elimination, right? He's a guy that's been in, in the organization from 2006 and on. Uh, if you look at his track record for the international players pool and, you know, the international players that we have signed, sign me up for that, right? Because he's obviously crushed it, you know, finding gems like you mentioned, you know, Devers, Bogarts, and, you know, even Ruzne Castillo, um, although I don't know if that was necessarily a, a development on the Red Sox. But um, I think this is where we we kind of are in – you know, the in the marketplace at this moment in time, right? We aren't getting those big fishes anymore. We're not luring away uh, the the GM from Arizona who, you know, kind of leveraged the Red Sox's interest into another offer and extension. And, you know, they're playing for the National League pennant right now. Um, I don't super have a big opinion on him at this moment in time, but there are some glaring issues that this organization has faced uh, over the past few years. And if he really was an individual that had the the wherewithal or the leadership or the direction to right this ship, you would have thought that that influence would have kind of seen its way into the fold a little bit more. And so, you know, the fact that we have had some longstanding um, issues, especially on the pitching side of, of development, and this is dating back multiple GMs, you know, I, I don't think there's altogether a lot of excitement around uh, the name Eddie Romero for me. So if you're going to give it to somebody internally, I guess he would be the guy uh, to do it. But the big problem I have here, and and you agreed with me privately earlier on, is Eddie Romero most likely isn't going to be the fresh eyes and fresh mind to rebuild this Red Sox pitching infrastructure. And what I mean by infrastructure is the the stuff I've been harping on, basically. You know, the minor league coaches, the the pitching coach that's going to need to be installed, the pitching analytics guys that are n- going to need to come in and help refine, you know, the the you know, the pitching arsenals these guys have and the pitch selection and the pitch sequencing and all of that. The Red Sox got killed on that during the Bloom era. And, I mean, even the Dombrowski era wasn't super spectacular. You had Rick Porcello up and down throughout that. David Price was up and down. Chris Sale was an animal because, you know, his body hadn't quite completely broken down yet. So, you know, you got some some really good pitching out of him. But I don't see how a guy like Romero's going to gonna help rebuild that it's just it's a long shot to me and I kind of hope the Red Sox continue to look externally here I just uh, nothing about Eddie Romero excites me I I hope they keep him in his current role because you know I listed off some names that he's responsible for bringing in and I'd like to still be successful with a lot of those international signings but so I, I I'll be pretty disappointed if if Romero uh, is the guy, but he's he's certainly down at the bottom of my list. Uh, another guy the Red Sox are connected to, uh, and we've only found this out in the last hour or two uh, coming into the show is Neil Huntington, 
And he was formerly the top executive with the Pittsburgh Pirates, basically from the start of 2008 through the 2019 season. He did get that team into the postseason three times. Uh, they didn't go far. In fact, I think they got bounced out of a wild card game against the Giants one year and then uh, never made it past uh, the first round, the, the NLDS. So uh, glaringly uh, and perhaps infamously, he is the GM that traded um, Garrett Cole to the Astros. He got back... Joe Musgrove in that deal. And then two prospects that I don't think ever saw the light of day. And if they did, it was very brief. So that was the Garrett Cole trade. And then most horrendously, he trades Tyler Glass now, who's been a stud with the Tampa Bay Rays. A little bit injury prone, but a stud, you know, when he's been active on the roster. And Austin Meadows, who had a couple of good years and was a highly touted prospect. So he, he trades Glassnow and Meadows. Who does he get back in return? Chris Archer, whose career was essentially over. He got passed around a little bit, but didn't never, you know, never regained, you know, the the form he had in 2016, 2017 that, uh, you know, made him appear to be a, a you know, a perennial Cy Young guy, perhaps. So uh, this is not a guy I think we need to be looking at. And also, interestingly, he was he was fired for a guy that the Red Sox fired, Ben Sherrington. That's who got his job. So I don't. Uh, that would be that would be a terrible signing. And when I said. I didn't want Eddie Romero. I want no part of hiring him. Huntington is probably the only guy I would rank below Romero in terms of people I don't want. Everybody else we're about to talk about is higher on my list than those two. Man, you took all the meat on the bone there. Not a lot. Not a lot to add. Um, you know, I think I think you hit the nail right on the head. Right, Neil Huntington on the list of six names that they were talking about. Or I guess five that we were quote-unquote legitimately considering he would absolutely be the last on the list as well um you know it feels really awkward to besmirch somebody's name or drag it through the mud especially you know somebody that's done nothing to us or nothing to the to the red sox for that matter um but you know we're we're coming out of an experience with the gm that had a lot of paralysis or decision paralysis at the deadline or inactivity and you know the far end of that is a guy that's like trigger happy making the deals and being on the wrong side of it right you know we all say you know, make or break a deal. We don't care. Just do something. Well, you know, this is just something that I think all of us would be very unhappy for. I give him a little bit of a break for the Chris Archer deal. Um, you know, he was obviously a very shiny name at the trade deadline. He had great numbers in Tampa. Um, and, you know, who's to say that you were going to trade Austin Meadows and, and Tyler Glass now and have them turn into what they turned into. But, um, you know, it still looks horrible on on the rap sheet. And, you know, Joe Musgrove, the, the jewel that he got back for Cole – Pitches in San Diego right now, so I don't know um, exactly when he when he shifted uh, out west, but you're not even reaping the benefits of of a guy that is doing very well for San Diego or has done very well for San Diego, for that matter of fact. Um, but yeah, Terry, I mean, not to be lockstep with you, I, I'm all set on Neil Huntington. There's not a lot there for me to be to be excited about. You know, credit where credit's due. He got Pittsburgh. 
out of the cellar, which they had been for a majority of our existence into the playoffs, you know, into relevance with McCutcheon. Um, but uh, I'm good. No, thank you. Just imagine if he was able to sign Garrett Cole to a, you know, a pre-arb deal, something that we're looking at with Bayo and, I think, let's see, Cole was a free agent after 2019. So let's say you get him an extension with some options that probably keep him controllable through 2022, let's say. And then you don't trade Tyler Glass now. I mean, man, what could have been for Pittsburgh Pirates baseball? Uh, So I just, again, just to further underscore, this is not a guy... I am interested in uh, let's turn to uh, let's go with another guy. This is probably going to be my top choice um, of the guys remaining uh, so far. Maybe, maybe more names will pop up and I'll, I'll be excited about them. But Thad Levine is basically the number two in Minnesota underneath Derek Falvey and he's been pretty highly sought after he declined the Astros job in uh, 2011 he declined an interview with the Philadelphia Phillies that was in 2020 Dave Dombrowski ultimately gets that job and there was one more team in there. I did not jot down who it was, but he's basically declined a lot of these deals to stay in uh, Minnesota. And the report that came out, I forgot who uh, who posted it, but apparently there is some mutual interest. It sounded like there, there would have to be some conditions in there. And uh, that doesn't surprise me, given the fact he rejects a lot of interviews, but... Uh, that's a name to consider. And what I like about it is the the Twins have a great pitching program. I mean, pitching really hasn't been their problem. They've just been offensively starved. Uh, they traded Luis Arise. They were able to get back Carlos Correa, who had the weirdest, you know, free agent winner of, of all time. <laughs> two other teams agreed to long-term deals with him and they fell through. But um, yeah, I mean, the twins problem hasn't been pitching. You look at, you know, Pablo Lopez, uh, Joe Ryan, uh, who was acquired from the uh, Rays. They, they got Joe Ryan in the um, uh, Nelson Cruz deal. And they've just done a great job. Sonny Gray has, uh, you know, he he had some good years in in Cincinnati before going to Minnesota, but but has continued that you know upward uh, trajectory. He'll also be a, a free agent this winter. But yeah, I mean, this is a guy I, I think that could help rebuild that pitching infrastructure. So, I, what what are your thoughts on him? To, buy, to borrow a pitching analogy, I think he's, you know, your two, three, or four type starter that you could get. Maybe not a super exciting splash deal, you know, maybe like a 590 type guy, uh, you know, five years, 90 million to where 
he bolsters the rotation. He gives you the innings. He keeps you competitive. Uh, you're not going to, you know, write a letter home to your parents saying, oh, my gosh, you know, we signed this guy. But he gives you reason to be excited, right? This is a team that has been competitive, as you mentioned, made the playoffs fairly regularly, you know, has a very stout pitching program, albeit they're making the playoffs in the AL Central and playing a lot of games against the AL Central. But, you know, Minnesota has had a lot of success recently. And, you know, had it not been for somehow facing the Yankees seemingly every year since 2002, I'm sure they would probably have a little bit more postseason success as well. Um, there's nothing, you know, to not like about the guy, right? You can kind of look over people's track records, look over the deals that they've made or the organizations that they've been a part of or, you know, some of the decision-making. Um, and, you know, that's obviously a reference to a certain individual that's tied to the Red Sox position. And there's nothing really to to argue with with this guy, right? Being the number two in command, I think, almost gives him, um, you know, a feather in his cap because there's been some quizzical deals that have been signed in Minnesota as well. And, you know, he can say, hey, I, you know, I might have disagreed with that one, namely the, you know, the Vasquez deal and such. But, um, you know, he doesn't have to take ownership for for all of those decisions that were necessarily made. And, you know, with the flexibility that the position uh, that is going to be given to the Red Sox uh, new GM or chief baseball officer, I think he has that flexibility to to get some of his guys in, maybe bring over some of those um, coaches or those development uh, pieces from Minnesota and, and hopefully get us set on the right the right path and, you know, turn Bayo and from a promising Cy Young candidate into, you know, a bona fide uh, Cy Young um, contender. Also, I forgot to note, he was also the assistant GM with the Texas Rangers from 2006 to 2016. And the Rangers went to the World Series back to back in 2010 and 2011 was literally one strike away from winning that 2011 World Series. Uh, Nelson Cruz had uh, an epic blunder of uh, a defensive play out uh, at the right field wall. But yeah, so I mean, this is a guy who's been in a couple of organizations with a track red record of success and it all happened while he was one of the higher-ranked executives in there. So Thad Levine, to me, is a very attractive name uh, for several reasons. Uh, let's move on. Uh, I don't think we can spend much time on this guy. And I, as far as I know, he doesn't even have an interview, but he's a name that continues to be floated around uh, by national writers and uh also just random people on social media circles that would be james click who was the astros general manager for i think two seasons uh he wins the world series with the astros in 2022 and then he's offered a low ball one-year extension and then chooses to decline that. That's one of the oddest things I've ever seen after a World Series. I'm sure somewhere along the line, maybe maybe an executive might have retired now that they finally captured that win. I can't think of an example, but you know that wouldn't be the craziest thing ever to hear. But you know, as they're going through that playoff run, the rumors were out there that he was clashing with Jim Crane. Uh, Jim Crane vetoed uh, at least one trade that Click wanted to make. And 
the the rumors ended up being true you know he was essentially out of a job uh you know several weeks later so uh and prior to taking that job in houston he came up with the tampa bay rays and is very close friends with heim bloom so not sure how i feel about that and there there wasn't a lot for him to do in houston as well i mean that team was already a wagon and uh he just kind of kept it moving but thoughts on click I feel like he had to be, you know, kind of the sacrificial lamb for all that went down as well. Um, you know, even if he wasn't necessarily tied tied to all of it. And, you know, they are trying to distance themselves away from just their past in general, right? They're trying to say, hey, we're turning over a new leaf. We're trying to get new voices in, in the room. Uh, you know, anytime that there is a disagreement with the people above you, it is, it is very easy to find yourself on, on the chopping block. Um, I don't feel like the Astros behaved the way Bloom did. So whether, you know, you come from the same ideological tree of Tampa or, you know, similar uh, brain trust as Heim Bloom, even if you guys are good friends, um, you know, I never viewed the moves that they made in a, in a similar light of decision paralysis. So, you know, if if we can get past kind of the the skirmish or the the smudge on the resume um, of being tied to to Houston and any of their success, right? Because I think it's going to take a couple more years for people to to kind of get past it. Um, you know, whether you care about it or not, right? Uh, you know, I've always said my biggest issue with with Houston was the way they handled it. You know, um, there's always the old adage: if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Um, you know, I think they went on the offensive and they tried to say, hey, you know, like keep our names out of your mouth. You know, we weren't cheating, blah, 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 when they very publicly were. And, you know, if they had handled it better, I don't think MLB reacts the way they do. I don't think the the fans treat the Astros or look at them the way that they do. And, you know, this is probably largely forgotten by now because they are a very good team. You know, Terry, you mentioned it. They're a wagon, right? Um, you know, for all intent and purposes, they're doing it the right way. And they're still in the ALCS for the seventh consecutive year. And so, you know, I think as time goes on, the the memory of what they've done and, you know, being tied to Houston is going to be less and less and less. And, you know, if, if he ends up being the guy that we get in Boston, um, the best way, you know, winning solves everything, right? He makes a couple of good moves. He makes a couple of good decisions. I'm sure bygones, bygones, as long as he puts a good product on the field. It wouldn't, if anybody had a reason to decline a Red Sox offer, I would think it would be click because he's like, I just I just got done butting heads with an owner. Now, here you guys are. You've already picked my manager. You've already picked my top assistant, uh, you know, and we're going to talk about another name here in a second. But um, but I just feel like this wouldn't be the job for him. I, I just it would I don't know. I would be surprised if if he took that job. Uh, Craig Breslow, I his name. I know Peter Gammons was one of the names brought up uh, to be a, a GM. He's a a really smart guy. I forget where he went to school. It was one of the the big. You know, I don't know if it was Harvard or Yale, but. Somewhere prestigious, and then of course he had a, a fairly successful career as you know a, a relief pitcher. He was essentially, basically the best left-handed reliever we had in the 2013 run. 
so some familiarity there. Um, there were some rumors he was going to be brought in to help with the pitching program. Like he might be a piece of that um, equation going forward, but I don't really want to see it. Uh, I, I wouldn't mind if he came in, you know, for the, the pitching aspect of it, but certainly not uh, the the uh, executive part of it. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe he's had what four years in the in the pitching program with Chicago with some potential assistant GM duties. Is that is that right? Did I read that correctly? I'm not sure um, how long it's been. I hope it hasn't been four years because it hasn't been a very good program for that long. Uh, yeah, I, I can uh, pull that up, but he's. Um, I'd be... Go ahead. Oh, sorry. I would say I'd be much more comfortable with him, you know, kind of remaining in that pitching program, that developmental uh, space, right? Obviously, you know, he was an instrumental part to the to the 2013 World Series. Uh, you know, a lockdown lefty has a lot of great knowledge. Didn't have overpowering stuff, was still able to get outs. You know, he was able to be cerebral with his approach. Um, I believe a Harvard grad as well, right? Um, if I'm not mistaken, for Breslau. I'll pull that up here. Um, so you were correct on the four years with the Cubs. Um, yeah. You know, maybe you can give them a, a similar lateral uh, appointment here in, in Boston, but I don't, I don't know if he even wants that kind of position quite yet, you know, um, keep them in the pitching program, you know, for my personal tastes, uh, you know, the Red Sox can use as many <laughs> good minds in the room as they can get. Uh, but uh you know, if he is the GM, I would definitely be surprised. Uh, I would be confused, but I think that would speak more to who they were unable to get into the room than it would say about Craig Breslow. As far as his college goes, graduated from Yale University in 2002 with a bachelor's in, uh, do you want to guess what the bachelor's degree was in? <laughs> it's something substantial, right? It's like, uh brain related or neuro neurology perhaps uh he, he's got a bachelor's in molecular biophysics and biochemistry and he also gained admission to the nyu school of medicine which he deferred presumably to play baseball but yeah so he's from yale i believe bloom uh as well uh came from yale so for all those uh, that went to Yale or Harvard, I apologize. Please don't come after me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure each one is probably deeply offended, uh, you know, by the other. You know, there's. Yeah. So anyway, I, I went to a community college. What do I know? Um, so, yeah. So anyway, um, Breslow's name is out there and it wouldn't be a shock if he ends up with the Red Sox in some capacity. Um, but yeah, so we'll, uh, we'll monitor those names, but the, the name of the day, uh, is Kim Ang. Interestingly, she had a mutual option with the Marlins that nobody seemed to know about until today. And, uh, a mutual option is where, you know, she opts in and the team also wants her back for that year. She opted out. She opted out. And there was a tweet from Jeff Passan that um, basically said that they had planned on bringing in another executive 
over Kim Ang, and she would essentially be the number two uh, in the Marlins front office. Now, for Red Sox comparison, she would be the Brian O'Halloran uh, of the Marlins at this point. And then she released a statement. I don't have it up here in front of me, but she has essentially met with Marlins ownership a couple of weeks ago to discuss what the plan could be for the Marlins going forward, and they didn't see eye to eye. So between her statement and then the the passing tweet about you know her possibly you know having a lesser role, no shock that she opts out. I think this would be the name I would be most excited for, uh, strictly just because of of the situation and scenarios that she was involved in in Miami and was able to produce a a postseason baseball team for the first time since what 2003, um, at least in a full season, right? They made it in, in 2020 kind of shocked the world a little bit there, made a little bit of a run. And people are like, man, when this team gets in the postseason, they just don't lose, but is rarely getting the postseason. Uh, this is, you know, again, an ownership that, you know, saddled the Dade County with a multi-billion dollar, um, stadium. They've done fire sales left and right. They got rid of Ozuna. They got rid of Yelich. They got rid of uh, Stanton all for pennies on the dollar. They have continuously chosen to field non-competitive teams. And lo and behold, they get a competitive team. They get into the playoffs. And guess what? Hey, here's a new name that you're going to have to report to. We're going to demote you out of the position that you're in. Why wouldn't you want to stay here? Like, I mean, it just makes no sense, right? Um I, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I have all the knowledge on all of the um, GMs, assistant GMs, or front office, excuse me, individuals uh, that are floating around in Major League Baseball. But uh, having looked at a couple of the trades that she's made, some of the interviews that she has given, you know, yeah, she might not be the best in front of a camera. And, you know, let's be honest, who is? We've had some uh, interesting interviews in the past, even from people inside the house or people that are, uh, you know, camera ready or camera veterans. Uh, I think Sam Kennedy is one that kind of comes to mind as well. And so an interview is an interview, but you know, her decisions are solid. Her logic is good. Um, she put a winner on a field and an area in which it has been very difficult to win. Right. And so that, that kind of makes me excited in the sense that, you know, she's willing to put in the work, willing to grind, um, you know, trying to find value where she can find value. So actions speak louder than words. Um, and she put a winning product on a field. And, you know, I think that's what we're all starved for here in Boston. I'm not crazy about the idea of bringing her in. Uh, I took a poll earlier on the Bastards Twitter account, and it's been about 50-50. And the way I worded it is, who do you want to be the next GM? Kim Ang or someone else? 50% of them did choose uh, Kim Ang. Now, I would certainly rather have her over Huntington. I would certainly rather have her over Eddie Romero. And she does come from a team that has a good pitching program. So that's an important box on my list to check off. Now, here's why I'm not, you know, completely sold here. Some a lot of those starting pitchers were already in the organization. You know, she inherited them and, you know, their development continued and Alcantara went on to to win a Cy Young uh, during her tenure. Uh, she traded. Let's see. She traded Pablo Lopez. I always get I want I always want to say Javi Lopez. I'm, I'm getting the I think the former Braves player <laughs> mixed up with him. Pablo Lopez. 
uh, for Luis Arise. That ended up being a push. I I think both teams kind of. That was one of the rare trades that was kind of a tie. You know, the the Twins got uh, you know the pitcher they needed, and and uh, the Marlins got an offensive boost uh, to go with some of their young guys. And if anything, I mean, I applaud her for making. Um, this might not be the best way to say it, but it's the way I would normally say it: a ballsy trade. It was ballsy, you know, to to uh, you know trade one of your key cogs in your rotation, but. But she got it done, and uh, no one really criticized the trade since. So uh, one thing we never saw Hein Bloom do is is make a ballsy trade. So I guess perhaps that's something else I can check off the list. But again, you know, these are she inherited a lot of those guys. She brought in Solaire, um, a couple of her, um, you know, moves this trade deadline. She nearly got apparently Justin Turner from the Red Sox. Not sure what the, you know, what ended up being the deal breaker there, but she gets Josh Bell. I forget where he was playing. It might have been San Diego. Um, and then Jake Berger from the White Sox. You know, neither of those guys overwhelming, but can certainly, um, you know, serve a purpose. Just the, the thing I'm just worried about here is nothing she's done has really blown me away. I'm just, I haven't been blown away. Yes, they got into the playoffs this year, but, you know, they were, I think, the the final seed uh, to get in. This wouldn't have been a playoff team prior to last year. Um, 2020, as we said, kind of a weird year. We were just happy to have baseball. I, I don't know. There's just nothing, there's just nothing about her that, blows me away she's been an executive with the yankees for quite a while also the dodgers she's competent she can navigate but i just kind of hope i guess what i'm saying here is we're coming out of the darkest era of red sox baseball in my opinion at least this century so i just rather go with someone that's more of a slam dunk and, you know, those are those are my thoughts on Aang. If they do sign her, I'll support it. I'll support it. And, you know, we'll all <laughs> buckle our seatbelts and, and see what this winter has has to bring. But so those are my thoughts on her. I mean, I think a lot can be said. There's a lot of similarities, in my opinion, between Aang and, and Thad Levine, right? They're not going to blow you away. You're not going to be like, oh, my gosh, you know, X, Y, Z, this, this, and this. But at the same time, like you said, there's competency. They have the ability to navigate the role. And, you know, some stability at this point, I think, would be <laughs> would be welcomed. Um, but, you know, I, I think we're also looking at a list of names, too, where there isn't necessarily your number one pick, right? Like, you're you're – You'd be happy. You're going to you know, support them. You want them to do well, obviously, because when they do well, we do well. But there isn't, you know, the names that there have been in, in years past. The other thing I kind of want to know is why didn't the Marlins want to keep her in her current role? Why was she going to be relegated to a lesser role? Um, that's just interesting to me. They could have locked her up last summer when things were looking okay. I mean, they they were buyers at 
the trade deadline. So there must have been, at a minimum, some cautious optimism that they could go into the playoffs. So it's just, I don't know. I mean, the Marlins even weren't excited to keep her back. And I think in in their case, it was kind of smart to have the mutual option and, and then she opts out because now they don't have to be the first organization in the history of baseball to fire a female executive, <laughs> you know? So it was kind of slick on their part and perhaps maybe maybe demoting her to from the number one to the number two was kind of a slick way of facilitating that. Similarly to how the the Astros did it to James Click. Yeah, we'll keep you, but it's going to be a one-year deal. That's all, that's all we're committing. So just kind of... I don't know. And just to, we're going to wrap up here in a second. And with if Eddie Romero ends up being the guy, and again, he's the second from the bottom of my list here. Only Neil Huntington is lower. What does it say about the Red Sox? What does it say that nobody was interested? So we got to go with this guy who's in our organization. I mean, isn't that that's an indictment? That's what that is. That that means every top executive you could have hoped to have brought in thinks that your ownership is toxic as hell. That's what that means to me. We had to look inward and we had to look upward. You know, all the bad words, you know, uh, pro-Dombrowski, anti-Dombrowski, pro-Bloom, anti-Bloom, all that's out the window. It's, it's all on Fenway uh, Sports Group then. Absolutely. All right. We will wrap on that. And I'm assuming, like I said earlier, it's getting late. So the the developments are going to come pretty fast and furious here, I think, with more names, uh, more momentum, perhaps behind some of the names we've already talked about. And I'd be shocked if the end of the weekend rolls around and we don't have a GM. I, I think I'd be pretty surprised uh, at that or at least or at least having it be a foregone conclusion that it's going to be, you know, candidate X. So we'll see. Uh, sorry for the lengthy delay uh, in shows. I doubt we will go that long again for the rest of this winter uh, leading up to the 2024 season. So. Um, look for some steadier content from us and uh, have a great uh, rest of your week. Take care.